There is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, Mine. This is not a square inch, the new podcast of Hope Prison Ministries. The goal is to help you see all of life through the lens of Scripture. To learn more, please visit us at notasquareinch.org. So we're going to talk about studies in the atonement, and uh, I just want to ask you guys, if you have not, if you have the funds to order the book, I highly recommend you order the book. I think it's probably one of the most important books a Christian can read, Um, and we're going to talk about why that is. Last week, we talked about the fact that the Bible is known as the history of redemption, the history of redemption. What does that mean? It tells the story of man's fall into sin and God sending his son to die and be raised to redeem men from that sin. So it is the history of redemption. And we read last week when we talked about how to interpret scripture, how to apply scripture, we talked about the redemptive historical approach, which sees all of scripture in the Old Testament, especially as pointing to Christ. And we read from Luke chapter 24 when Jesus was walking on the road to Emmaus and he told them that everything basically in the Old Testament was about him. Everything points to Christ. So the entire Old Testament points to Christ and the New Testament deals with the manifestation and explanation of Christ the Redeemer. So the Old Testament talks about he who was to come And the New Testament, of course, talks about him who has come and was among them at that time. So if you could say then that the entire purpose of Scripture is to talk about Christ, to teach us about sin and our need for a Savior and to teach us about that Savior. So if then you could say that the the whole purpose of Scripture is to teach us about Christ, well, then the natural question would be, well, what about Christ? What is his primary purpose in being here. And scripture makes it very clear that the central purpose of Christ being here was to atone for man's sins, to bring glory to God through the atonement that he provided for the sins of men. That was the primary purpose of Christ being here. Matthew chapter 1 verses 1 verse uh, chapter 1 verse 21, he will save his people from their sins. That's why Christ came. That's why Jesus came. That's why he was here. So, this is very important. Listen closely. To the degree that we understand the person and work of Christ is to the degree we understand the scripture or know Christ. So how can we say we know someone if we don't even really know what they came for, why they're here, what they're trying to accomplish, what it is they came to do? Yet you have people all the time who say, I'm a Christian, but they don't really understand what it means to be a Christian. They don't really understand what Christ came to do or what, how it was accomplished or what it looks like or how it's applied to our lives. So the, to, to the degree then that we understand the person and work of Christ is the degree that we may say we understand the scripture, and it's even the degree that we may say we understand that we know Christ. Make sense? So it's very, very important that we understand this doctrine, the doctrine of the atonement, what Christ came to do. It's everything. It's everything. If you're going to be a Christian, 
you need to understand what Christ came to do and why. Why it's necessary, what it looks like, how it's accomplished, how it's applied. So when I was teaching in the prisons, I would frequently ask people, I would say to them, what is it, you know, what do these terms mean? Redemption, propitiation, uh, sacrifice, justification, expiation, all of these different things. And people would come up to me after I was done preaching, and sometimes I'd hear people say to me, well, I don't really need to know all that. I just need to know the Bible. Well, newsflash, all those terms are in the Bible. <laughs> so evidently, they didn't really even want to know the Bible because that's, those terms are all in the Bible. And if you say you're a Christian and you know Christ, then you kind of need to know these things. You kind of need to know what Jesus came to do. So to a great degree, Maury says in the beginning of this book, to a great degree, the low level of sanctification in the modern church is due to the appalling ignorance concerning the work of Christ. He says to the degree, to, he says to the, to, that there is a sense in which in, that, the, that the low level of sanctification is due to a lack of understanding about the person and work of Christ. Why would he say that? So one of my favorite verses is in Romans chapter 6, verse 17. It says, thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. So one of the things that I like to point out when I would teach in the prisons is if you're, if you're focusing on a low level of teaching, if your teachers are low level, you might say, if they're not really preaching the scripture in depth, if they're not diving deep and going deep into the word of God and really teaching the word of God to the way that, to the way that it should be taught, then the problem is your sanctification is going to be impacted negatively or positively. Yes, Barb. Yeah, we're going to, that's all part of what we're going to be doing. As we get into this book, we're going to talk about sanctification. But, you know, sanctification, for those of you who don't know, is being set apart to Christ. That's ultimately what it means in its simplest terms is being set apart to Christ. Your holiness, your progress in holiness, if you will. But what we're talking about here today is that the, that the degree to which you know Christ is going to result in your life. What your life looks like. So people who focus on a prosperity gospel or a low-level motivational, human motivational speaking type gospel, uh, we won't mention any names besides maybe Joel Osteen, and, uh, you know, those kinds of people that teach that kind of stuff, you see that Christians in those churches, many of them tend to be extremely shallow. Why? Because they're being fed baby food. No offense against your mom's dessert. Your mom's dessert was wonderful. But they're being fed baby food, right? And what we need, if we're going to be Christians, is steak, right? We want the deep things. My wife used to ask me all the time. She would say, I don't understand why you have a preferred reading list. And I would say to her, why would I read bologna when I can read steak? I don't, you know, I'm not going to read just anything. I have a very limited time to read even more limited today than ever before. And so if I'm going to read, I'm going to read stuff that's going to be beneficial, that's going to help me go deep into the Word of God. That's what I want to do. And that's what all of us should want to do. So we're going to dive deep into this subject about what Christ came to do. 
and what it should, how it should impact our lives. And the hope is, is that as it happens, the more you learn about your sin, how great and horrible of sinners we really are apart from the grace of God, the more you learn about your sin and how awful of person we people we really are apart from the grace of God, that's going to help you appreciate more what Christ did. And the more you appreciate what Christ did, hopefully your life will begin to show it. Your life is going to look different because you appreciate more what's been done for you. That's what Romans 6 says there. You've become obedient from the heart according to the standard of teaching to which you've been committed. So if you have a low level of teaching, a low level of instruction, then your character, your sanctification, your walk, your maturity in Christ is going to be low. But if you have a high level and if you go deep and you really meditate on the word of God and you let it take root within you, then hopefully our life is going to be more impacted for it. HopeAfterPrison.com. We help locate transitional housing for those being released from prison, regardless of their crime. And when permitted, we connect those being released with one or more mentors from the local church. To learn more, please visit HopeAfterPrison.com. So we're going to talk about the guiding principles within this book, The Atonement. The first guiding principle of the book is that the atonement is specifically a matter of special revelation. Special revelation. What do we mean by that? In Psalm 19, the psalmist wrote, The heavens declare the glory of God and the earth declares firmament. You know, all that verse, right? That's what we would call natural revelation, general revelation. Things you can learn just by looking at the world around you. You can learn about creation. You can learn about other things just by looking at the world around you. But when you start to deal with matters of God, in many ways, we are dependent upon special revelation or we are dependent upon the scripture. We are dependent upon scripture. So theologians like Sinclair Ferguson, you were watching, would distinguish between general revelation, that which may be seen or known from creation or our creation, our created consciences or whatever, those things which are just kind of naturally deduced versus special revelation, those things which can come through the word of God and specifically can come through the word of God as it is revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. Because special revelation is 100% dependent upon the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. People can read, you know, you know people maybe, maybe you've even been this person at one time that you read the Bible and it doesn't make a lot of sense and it's hard and it's distant. But when you become a Christian and the Holy Spirit opens your eyes, now you go to the Bible and all of a sudden it starts to make sense and you start to understand that's because you were dependent upon the Holy Spirit revealing himself to you, revealing the word of God to you. It doesn't just happen that people get in and understand it. So if you want one of the greatest assurances of your salvation, it's this, that when you read the Bible, you get it. 
It makes sense because the Holy Spirit is giving you the ability to understand. Now, likewise, it's also true if you read the Bible and you don't get it. Look, and when I say get it or don't get it, I'm not talking about your basic comprehension. The truck is red. What color was the truck? Red. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about really understanding what the Word of God is saying to us. More than just the text printed on the page, but really understanding the rich, deep meaning of the things of God. So if you read the Bible and it's all Greek to you and you don't get it, and you say, well, that's why I don't read the Bible, because it just doesn't make any sense to me and I don't get it. That could be a mark or a caution for you, a red flag, if you will, that do you, you need to ask the question, do I really know Christ? Have I really trusted in him for salvation? Does the word of God really make sense to me? Does it come alive to me? Or is it all Greek? Does it just sound like a clanging symbol and there's nothing to it? But if you really understand the word of God and the Holy Spirit's opened your eyes and he's given you ears to hear, then that is one of the things about this doctrine called the atonement, that it is a doctrine of special revelation. It's something you're only really going to grasp when the Holy Spirit opens your eyes to see this. And there's no greater example of this than in John chapter three, right? Nico, I call him Nico, right? Nicodemus. Nico comes to Jesus at night and he's on the sly. He's on the down low because he doesn't want his friends to know that he's going to see Jesus. But he goes to Jesus and he says, teacher, we know you're a man come from God for no one could do the things you do unless the Holy Spirit had sent him. And Jesus says what to him? Hey, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. That's it. Unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus looks at him and he says, but, but uh, how can I be born again? Can I go back into my Nicodemus, Nico, hey, unless you're born of water and the spirit, you're not going to get it. And Nicodemus is like, but, but, hey, 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 hey. And Nicodemus is like, I don't understand. And he says, hey, John chapter three, verse eight, the wind blows where it wants to, and you hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it came from, and you don't know where it's going, and that's the way it is with those who are born again. The wind blows where it wants to, you hear the sound of it, you don't know where it came from, and, that's, and you don't know where it's going, and that's the way it is with those who are born again. So what's he really saying to Nicodemus? Dude, I could talk to you till I'm blue in the face, and unless God, the Holy Spirit, opens your eyes and gives you ears to hear and eyes to see, anything I say is going to be Greek to you. It's going to be lost. You're not going to understand it. This is one of the reasons why Jesus prayed that the eyes of his disciples would be enlightened. This is why he prayed for us to have enlightened understanding. Because, you know, how many times if you are a Christian and you've tried to talk to somebody about the gospel, and they just have this kind of blank look on their face. They just don't get it. I just don't understand. And you just wanna keep thinking, it's human nature, we wanna keep thinking that the flaw is with us, that we just need to do a better job explaining it 
But Paul says, hey, it's not gonna happen by persuasive words of wisdom. This is not how people understand. What does Jesus say? It's the Holy Spirit. So the first thing that has to happen in order for you to truly understand the depth of your sin and the greatness of our Savior, the depth of our sin and the greatness of our Savior is the Holy Spirit has to make the scale fall off. He has to take out your heart of stone that's been resisted to him, rebelling against him, and he's got to put within you a heart of flesh that is pliable and moldable and wants to serve him. Wants to serve him, wants to please him. That's what has to happen in order for you to get it. We're dependent upon the work of the Holy Spirit giving us the ability to understand the book, not just as a book, but as a true personal revelation from the creator and sustainer of the universe to you and me, sinful, fallen, broken men. In order for you to truly get that, the Holy Spirit has to reveal it to you. It's special revelation. You're not going to learn it from a textbook. You're not going to learn it from somebody being a great speaker. You're not going to learn it from looking at nature around you. You're not going to learn it from looking at world religions. You're going to learn it through the preaching of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit giving life to otherwise dead words. That's how you hear it. HopePrisonMinistries.org Hope Prison Ministries mentors those at risk of, during, and after incarceration. To learn more, please visit HopePrisonMinistries.org First Thessalonians says what? Our gospel, we know that you turn from idols to serve God because our gospel did not come to you in word only, but it came to you in the power of the Holy Spirit. Say, Chandler, okay, we got it. Holy Spirit, got it. Why do I keep emphasizing that? Because if you don't get it and you don't know it, then I want you to go home and I want you to hit your knees and I want you to cry out to God. God, give me wisdom. Take out my heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh and open my eyes that I may see the gospel. Because that's what we're going to be talking about for the next several weeks is the gospel. We're going to be talking about the need of the Holy Spirit to give us eyes to see, ears to hear, so that we can truly understand and appreciate what it is to be born a sinner, dead in our sins, and to have a loving, holy God condescend and become the form of a man and die on the cross for our sins and be raised the third day. But to truly understand that, it's going to take special revelation. The second guiding principle of this book that Maury talks about is that 
we should view the atonement as the solution to our problems, not the problem. We should view the atonement as the solution to our problems, not the problem. This is going to be deep stuff, and it's going to seem somewhat complicated. And what you really need to understand is that the atonement, the doctrines, the things we're going to be talking about, they're not the problem. They're the solution to the problem. So they're worth spending time on. It's worth digging deep. It's worth getting to know the God in whom we say we've believed. We sang today at the church, I know the God whom I've believed. I read a commentary on that passage, and the Greek word there, I can't remember the exact Greek word, but I, I want to say it was gnosis, but when he says, I know, it's actually an accounting term. And it's, it basically implies that Paul has taken, it's like he's made a list of pros and cons. He's put all the pros on the side of knowing God. He's put all what people might think of as cons on the side of knowing God. And at the end of the calculation, he's determined it's worth it. I know the God whom I've believed, and I am persuaded he's able to keep that which I've committed to him. So you view what we're going to be learning not as homework, not as a burden, not as a problem. You view the work of Christ as the solution to the problems of men. And the third point that Morey points out is that the doctrine of the atonement should be experiential. It should be experiential. It should cause us to worship. It should cause your heart to cry out in worship. As I was reading through this book in Studies in the Atonement, at, there would be so many points. Maury is a masterful writer. And so again, I encourage all of you to take the time to find it on Amazon and buy the book. But Maury is an excellent writer and he's very, very devotional at certain points along the way. He says things that just help you cry out. And we're definitely going to highlight those points. But what he says is, and I think this is super important, is that the doctrine of the atonement should not just be something you're learning for intellectual purposes. It shouldn't just be something that you're kind of, you're just learning to gain more knowledge. If it doesn't cause you to want to worship, to cry out to God, to say with Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 15 to 17, what does Paul say? This is a faithful saying, worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst, but I receive mercy, that in me, as the worst, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to all who were to believe in him. Paul has such an eloquent way of saying that. You know what that really means, right? If he can save me, he's got no problem saving you, right? As bad as I am, he can save you too. It doesn't matter what you've done or what your wrongs have been. Jesus Christ is able to save you. And if that doesn't make you cry out with Paul like he does, to the only wise God be glory and honor forever. 
you might want to ask if there's not something wrong with that. Why don't you cry out to God and say, God, thank you for saving even me, for taking me off the path that I was on and putting me in a place where I could be influenced by your kingdom. Thank you, God. InmateMentors.com Help us help your loved one. We write letters, send books, accept collect calls, help those incarcerated plan and prepare for release, and create parole packages. To learn more, please visit InmateMentors.com So the doctrine of the atonement should be experiential. It should lead us, cause us. Corinthians, I think it is, says the love of Christ compels us to cry out and to give thanks to God. And then, if it's experiential, then this is what we need to know. If you want to really understand how great of sinner you are and how bad off we really were before Christ, you have to look at the lengths to which Christ and God were willing to go. What had to be done in order to redeem us or save us. What has to be done in order to redeem us or save us. He says more, he says, if you've fallen in a pit, you can know how far you've fallen by the length of rope let down to save you. If you want to know how bad off we were, look at the lengths to which God went to save us. As you consider, as we get into these doctrines and we start learning each of these things that God did for us in Christ, why it was necessary, how it was accomplished, how it's applied, what our lives should look like as a result. As we get into these things in the coming weeks, you ought to be looking at those things and you ought to be thinking to yourself, we ought to be thinking to ourselves, this is the length to which God had to go, God chose to go, to redeem me, a sinner. And it should cause us to have devotion. It should cause us to have moments of worship. We've got to go deep. And that's what we're going to do in the coming weeks. So, let's close out in prayer. We've laid the groundwork. And now we're going to get ready for the study of our lives. To learn more about this God who saved us. Father, thank you so much for your great grace and your saving mercy. Thank you for those in this room who know you and who love you. Lord, thank you, God, for taking out their heart of stone and giving them a heart of flesh. Thank you for giving us a heart of flesh to love you, to serve you, to know you. Thank you for giving us eyes to see and ears to hear what your word says. For those who are in this room that do not know you yet, I pray you would begin that work in their life through this series of lessons, that they would come to know you. 
For those who may be listening by the podcast, we pray that you would come to know the God who made you, that you would one day say with Paul, I know whom I've believed, and I am fully persuaded that he is able to keep that which we commit to him. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Not a Square Inch, the podcast of Hope Prison Ministries. Join us next time. To learn more, please visit us at notasquareinch.org.